started on Awesome. So everybody, thank you so much for joining us for another edition of the Surf and Sales podcast, um, as well as the live bonfire session with the one and the only corporate bro. Corp, so good to see you. Obviously, tell us about this image you got going on. Uh, yeah, it's a corp potato. That's all it is. Um, That's it? All right. It's either that or it's, it's this. So you pick. No, I think we all want to see the headband. Okay. Well, the headband is, it's here now. Awesome. So. So thank you so much for for doing this. We appreciate it. Um, By the way, we've got Kelsey Palabro who's helping out here. A couple of things quick. Feel free to go into the chat. Just put it where you're dialing in from. It's always kind of fun to see where folks are coming in from around the country or the world. Uh, Post questions in there. Kelsey will help you come off and um, ask the question of corporate bro. We got a lot of good ones. And I'm just going to throw you straight into the fire. So we're just going to go forward on some, some really important things. So this is the lightning round first. Favorite food? Oh, God. Uh, sauce. Sauce. All right. Favorite color? Uh, color. Uh, black, like my soul. Favorite M&M color? Hmm. Hmm. I don't know. Aren't they, all, aren't they all the same? Blue? Sure. Blue's cool. Right. Sure. Blue. I'll go with blue. All right. That works. So, sort of backing all the way up into your history when did you really know you were a sadness badass like at what age did that occur Uh, probably in eighth grade when i got my first sales job without knowing it i was slinging salad dressings for my aunt i would go into like nice markets with a box of salad dressing and like stuff to make salads and i'd be in a suit just can i interest you in some blue cheese sir and um Usually they would not be interested in the blue cheese, but uh, I would just be there all Saturday until I sold all of the, the product I was given, which was, I don't know, probably 50 or 60 salad dressings. So I was always motivated just to get out of there so I could go live my life. And, and, and did you like that because you love selling and helping people or is it just all about the green and the, and the cabbage? Uh, I'm a masochist and I like pain. So it was just a lot of that. Um, no, I don't, I don't know. I wanted some money. Um, and I didn't have any hard skills. So where, where do you put, you know, a goofy looking psychopathic looking little eighth grader, put him in a suit and put him in a supermarket and see what happens. Exactly. So that's great. Well, it sounds, it sounds like sales chose you more than you chose sales. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that's what I tell people. I certainly didn't grow up hoping to be in sales. I'd be shocked if anyone here was hoping that. Is anybody, anybody here actually wanting to be in sales? I was probably one of the few. I, I knew I wanted to be in business. I wanted to go work at the Gap, uh, which I did in high school because I was like, all right, well, at least this jeans and a t-shirt and not a coat and tie. So that was sort of my, my spiel. Um, I mean, I wanted to be successful in business. I just didn't know what that meant. <laughs> so. That's fair. Uh, just a, a quick shout out, uh, a couple of things. So one, Scott is calling in sick, uh, legit sick, not fake sick. Um, he had something come up, so he will not be joining us today. Uh, wow. We also want to say thanks to our sponsors of Salesforce, Vidyard, Lead411, and Gong.io. If you don't know those tools, by all means, please go check them out and uh, use them. So when, you know, can you remember what your first, beyond the salad dressing, do you remember your first real closed deal? Remember what it was? Uh, yeah, I do. It's actually very easy to remember because I sold an apartment to Golden State Warrior, uh, Nate Robinson. Uh, that's, oh, wow. that, was, that was the first time I closed anything. I got very 
lucky. I was selling luxury apartments in downtown Oakland, which is a massive paradox. Uh, it was right in the middle of Occupy uh, Oakland. So I was about a block and a half away from Occupy trying to slang apartments. Um, and people would be like, is it safe? And I'd be like, so over here, we've got a yoga room. Um, but you actually in apartments, you actually can't guarantee someone it's illegal and they'll send in fake people to try and make you say you're safe and so forth. Um, but that was a very interesting sales experience, but that was also face-to-face. It was a whole different ballgame uh, than right. SaaS. Right. Well, I, I would think you're very good at the face-to-face thing. I mean, you got the good looks, right? <laughs> Do I? <laughs> you, got, you, boy, you got more hair than My me. My mom says. Yeah. Yeah. You can't see the balding going on back there. The thinning. It's my barber, Oscar, likes to say. What about, what about uh, college? Did you attend college, skip college, fuck college? I went to a college. Um, I've gone to two colleges now, actually. Uh, I went to Occidental undergrad. Uh, I was there, it was LA. So LA with no responsibility mm-hmm. from 18 to 22 is a pretty good spot to be. Yeah. Um, I made sure to have absolutely no responsibility other than waking up for baseball games. Um, right. Fortunately for me, I was a pitcher. So I only had to play one day a weekend and I got to pitch on Fridays. So my Friday nights were, they were lit. We'll say, we'll yeah. say that. To say the least. What, what is your favorite poison on a Friday night? <laughs> whatever's free. Um, no, I, you know, I'm a big creamy, creamy, but latte guy, uh, Coors. I'm not fancy. I like 805s. If I have to pick something that's, you know, cool. doesn't yeah. come in a 30. Yeah. I'm, I'm good with a good Coors every now and then. So I don't really need to go all that other stuff. I drink cool. Manhattans now when I'm really trying to like be tight, but I, I just bought some of some Terramana tequila, which is the rocks tequila. And I'm just going to see if the hype is real. So Scott is the tequila king. So whenever you get a chance to talk tequila, he even does a tequila Tuesdays. Uh, yeah, I'm sad day. Scott's not here. I, I haven't spent a lot of time with anyone during this whole quarantine. He's going to be the first Scott I've hung out with in quarantine. Um, That's a shame. Unfortunately for you. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately for you, Richard, you're the second dick. Exactly. I know. I'm one of many, right? So um, where, do you draw, where do you draw your comedy aspirations? Like who are the people you look up to comedic wise? Um, Anthony Jeselnik is probably one who I love. He is an absolute savage. Um, and he did his stand-up special in San Francisco and a great place to try and do edgy comedy. Right. Um, other than that, I mean, sketch comedy, Key and Peele are kind of the goats. Um, you know, I like Tom Segura, the way he tells stories. I actually like Kevin Hart for his, his energy and how many words he says per second. He actually has got some pretty good stuff. Dimitri Martin, Mitch Hedberg are exquisite with one like their one-liners yes um so i I, there's there's a lot of comics out there that i like elements of right i I miss mitch you know like it's it's sad that you know he's no longer with us but he was i saw him once uh here in san francisco so it was it was a blessing to sort of see him and kind of go oh i don't know i've been to that guy so yeah i mean he's he's one of the goats um i never got to see him live unfortunately but i still go back and watch his stuff yeah he's like a carlin in my opinion he's he's that edgy so carlin yeah napalm and silly putty is a great book if you guys want to read a book about comedy absolutely what uh just like you know are you fulfilling the dreams of your parents or are you consistently letting them down uh letting them down is kind of what i do um (laughs) i mean you know i was when i was playing baseball uh I played two years of independent minor league ball and they were like, when are you going to get a job? And I was like, this is a job. And then I realized I was getting paid a thousand dollars a month for three months of season, which is what minor leaguers play 1100 a month. 
Um, and then I went into sales and they were just like, thank God he's got a job. Right. Um, and then I started doing corporate pro and they were like, you're ruining your career prospects. Um, and I was like, good. <laughs> Cause I, I don't really love the, admittedly, I don't love the corporate grind. Like what you see from me is what you get and the way I talk doesn't exactly fly. Um, mostly in that I have a propensity for calling bullshit. Um, and I don't give a shit if you're a CEO or a, or a lowly SDR making excuses. Like that's just what it is. Um, Hasn't it so benefited you though at this point? Like if you were actually going out to close, like wouldn't you be like, hey, here's who you're, who's coming to talk to you. So just so you know, I don't want to waste your time. Like, do you do that or? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So, Calling it out is just like the easiest way to either take control of a conversation or just like, clear all the bullshit before you, so you can actually get down to, to brass tacks. I, I think that's one of the things that I took me a while and I had to learn it in sales. Uh, that's why I think sales is the best skill you can ever learn. I think it's the biggest, uh, the biggest equalizer on earth. doesn't matter, yeah. you know, where you went to school, you know, who you are, like your upbringing, like if you can be good at sales, like you can be successful. I yeah. truly believe that even though I hate it most of the time, honestly what what are the parts you hate the most what what is you know i think we can all relate to them i mean it's putting yourself out there like you're putting your neck on the line and it's easy to get caught up in the fact that you're are you are a number your revenue you're tied to an, an element of revenue that frankly there's a lot of things out of your control um, as much as we like to believe we can control things but i think for me it was uh it's cold calling is the hardest thing um, yeah. and trying to disconnect the fact that like that person's not going home at the end of the day and be like yeah, Sharon, this guy just, he, he called me today to pitch his product. And like, I am so fucked up by it. Like, I can't stop thinking about it. And if you did that, you probably actually did a good job. Um, but the truth is they forget you almost instantly. Uh, if it's one of those calls, the majority of the calls. Um, but when you get those dubs, when you set that meeting, oh, fuck my shit up. Like that's, that's what it's all about. That's awesome. That's fantastic. What do you think's harder, the SDR or the AE role? Oh, I mean, the SDR role, no question. It's kind of like a 101 class um, that weeds people out. I mean, the truth of the matter is SDR roles are very rarely explained truthfully. Uh, I was suddenly a BDC at Oracle and uh, I was like, what the fuck is this? Oh, cold calling. Oh, is that, we have to do a little bit of that here? No, you have to do a lot of bit here. You have to do that all day long. Um, and I think like anybody who's really worth a shit, at least in tech sales has done some element of the SDR role or at least prospects. Right. You know, good AE's prospects still. So, yeah. and you're sending meetings for someone else. Like you're a slumlord. That's what SDRs are. They're the slumlords of sales. So you got to respect them. Like they ask dumbass questions. Um, they're usually younger. Uh, I love them, frankly. Like, there's nothing like a good SDR because right. those are real. Unlike a good marketing team, which isn't real. Like good SDRs are real. And so when you have one, you got to treasure, treasure them. I just posted about this. I think SDRs should be making the same money as AEs. I just talked about this and, you know, basically poked the, the beehive and people got all, all over it. So, um. Yeah. I don't know where I feel. I don't know how I feel about that. Um, I think there's a lot of misalignment in sales in general, but uh, I, I think it's kind of like earning, you know, earning your stripes is the SDR role. I think right. there's a lot of companies that, you know, screw SDRs over and make false promises. And that's a big issue. You know, that's a, like the truth of the matter is just because you're there for a year doesn't mean there's headcount. That's one of the reasons why big companies are great, why oracles are great and sales forces are great. And like, if I could give advice to someone who's there, it's get your promotion and then get out. Like, it's really hard to advance a good, hot tech startup because people aren't leaving because it's sick. 
because people are, are crushing it. So why would they leave? Um, so anytime in my mind, I could cut down the time to advance, like the money will come. I'm not worried about the money. The money will always come. That's I, I believe that in content. I believe that in sales and get yourself up the ladder a little bit and then start, then start making asks, start hitting quota and then start making asks. Yeah. Yeah. Optimize for, for finances over time. What you, you said there's some misalignments in sales. What do you see as the misalignments? Well, I think, I think it starts with investors and board or CEOs making promises to boards they can't keep and then being forced to overscale sales teams and then everyone in sales loses. Uh, it's kind of one of those things where if you're a salesperson, you're trying to time the golden, the golden era of any company, right? When the, when the reps win and the company is winning at the same time, people are blowing out their quotas. And then all of a sudden you go out and raise, you know, $200 million like Gong did, start overscaling, your territories get smaller. It starts getting harder. It's not like the demand is increasing. Find me a sales team that's like, shit, we got too much demand. We got too much. We, got, we need more salespeople. We need more people to close these deals for me. I can't do it. I've never found one ever. And if people say they have like, that's, that's like, if, unless you're a one person team, like that's bullshit. Right. Uh, so then it trickles down. CEO says it to the VP of sales. Who's like, okay, yeah, I guess I'll just try to make this happen. CFO is like, ah, oh, these numbers seem okay. And then it just goes straight down all the way to the salespeople who are churned and burned. That's one of the big problems. That's just one. I felt like more than one. Well, that's, I mean, that, you know, that alignment, that kind of trickle down, mm -hmm. Talk to us about, wait, we've never rehearsed these. Like I thought about sending these questions to corporate ahead of time. And I was like, now nah, let's just see if we can wing it. What about the alignment in sales and marketing? How do you feel about it? Is it strong? Is it weak? Where do you see strength and weakness there? I, oh, that grimace looks good. Oh. Uh, um, hmm. How do I answer this? Uh, <laughs> unapologetically. Answer it unapologetically. Marketing is not tied to revenue enough. So the fact that marketers could take off two or three weeks in December just makes me want to blow my brains out. And then they come back like, new year, let's go. Like, we're going to do this. We're going to crush. Can't wait for SKO. Like, I'm, my eyes are still bloodshot. I'm still hungover from New Year's Eve because there was like about an hour and a half when I was drinking heavily and not because I was celebrating the end of year, because I was celebrating the fact that like, or mourning the fact that I didn't hit quota. And so marketing, like marketing as a concept is important and it is valuable. I don't think, I think to be in marketing, you should have a prereq of being an SDR for six months so you can talk to customers because the amount of times, if I want to, if I want someone to send out emails on my behalf at 3 a.m. missing the first name to deals I already have in progress, like I can do that myself. I can set up my own outreach sequence, you know? So, and I just think B2B marketing is so fucking bland. It's so the same everywhere. Um, and so like, I just, I'm waiting for the world of authenticity to hit B2B marketing um, and kind of cut through the bullshit and clutter. And, and like, again, if you have a good marketing team that's generating a lot of leads and so forth, like, great. I love them too. I just, I, there isn't enough accountability in marketing for revenue when we're all supposed to be the revenue team. And there are companies that are moving towards that, which is great. Obviously you need someone to write blogs, you know, how else are you going to get like four or five readers? Um, you know, webinars, like those can, there's something that people do, I guess. Um, I don't know. I, there's just not enough creativity out there right now. And I think there's a misalignment of, of I mean, they, should, they should all be hiring you to write, to do a blog video or something, right? Like oh, that be... Now you're calling me a marketer, which is honestly kind of insulting here. No, but come on, you're on Cameo. Don't tell me you're not. I'm on Cameo. Yeah. Because yeah. it generates revenue. Right. <laughs> me. 
Well, you're generating your own revenue if you go out and yeah, No, I know. I know. I am. I have elements of my being that may or may not be similar to marketing or marketing at all, entirely. Fair enough. Fair enough. So what, um, just out of curiosity, how did you, uh, how are you handling the pandemic? Are you okay? Are you living alone? Are you, are you by yourself? That's it. Toilet paper everywhere. No, right? not entirely. Right. So, I got Tina. I forgot about uh, that. She's kind of a baddie. Yeah. Honestly. So, so it's shocking so, off for Tina. Been seeing yeah. a lot more of her lately. We've been in a fight. That's what happens when you spend so much time together. So, by the way, I, I, I interviewed someone Podcast. yesterday and she says she's going to marry you. We just don't know it yet. So I'm happy to set you guys up if you Great. want. Yeah, so, no, I look forward to that. So arranged marriages back in. <laughs> Let's do it. Do you, I watch do you Love is Blind. For, do you ask for W2s before you go on a first date? Like, is that sort of <laughs> No, no. I just make a bunch of inappropriate jokes and I see reactions. There you go. Um, what do you, you know, I, I was looking on LinkedIn, right? Which is our holy Bible. That's our holy grail. For now. And I saw, I saw that Corporate Bro has 11 employees, which is fascinating. <laughs> and so I wanted to make sure, because I know, I know you're probably hiring for other people. And the most important question is, you know, what are the benefits like there? Like, do they get a lot of vacation time? Do they get, you know, good health no, care? But they get to pay for Uber Eats and Ubers and they get to pay for stuff, which is a huge opportunity to pay for things. Um, I have 11 employees, don't I? Wow. Um, might, might be time for I don't even know what? these people. I know a couple of those people. <laughs> um, one of them is my brother. And one of them is a dude named Ben, who both are what we call unpaid interns, indentured servants, so to speak. Um, and they help me out with like, I mean, someone's got to hold the camera. Someone's got to tell me if something is crossing the line and then they usually don't. Um, but yeah, I mean, I do have help. I, I don't have any employees. Uh, no, nobody in the corporate bro game is making money, so to speak. And that's not to say it's not generating revenue because it is doing that. But everything that I have ever made in corporate bro goes back into content and building future pieces that I'm hoping a big project that will drop middle end of 2021. Oh, that's awesome. Awesome. We'll dig into that a little bit. I know uh, Jacqueline's got a question, so I've taken Jacqueline off mute. So Jacqueline, go ahead. You know, this is your chance to impress the man himself. Well, you, you already asked my singles question, so you got that out of the way. So glad to know that Tina is, you know, doing well for you. Corporate bro, I, I would love to know from, I, I have a bit of an abrasive personality and I like making ridiculous jokes as well. Unfortunately, that hasn't really gone over well in the corporate world for me. So what I'm wondering is how has your humor worked against you um, climbing up the chain and throughout your career? Um, it has definitely worked against me. I've definitely found myself in HR a couple times. Um, those are always fun. Uh, it's hard because I am kind of of the belief if it's like, if people don't have a sense of humor, I don't want to work with them or for them. Um, and I've just kind of held true to that. I, I understand what I do and how I do what I do is not going to land for everyone. Like there's a lot of comics I don't think are funny at all. And I don't understand how, I mean, it's not that I don't understand, but like I refuse, it, it's just not my thing. Like I see the art and what they're doing. It's just not for me. That's the case for most people and, and myself. Um, negotiating that is hard, which is why I, you know, I would send out like prospecting emails. Like I, someone who would ghost me, I'd put their face on a milk carton 
like image and send it to them like missing person. And they're like, are you serious? Like, you think this is funny? They're actually missing people out there. And I'm like, yeah, and you were one of them until just now. So they don't love that. <laughs> she didn't buy. Um, but like, sometimes you just got to swing and miss. And that's just part of it. Like, that's just, that's life, right? That's like cold calling. That's everything. Um, if your boss, if it's an issue with your boss, like, I don't know. It also depends on delivery, right? It depends on like consistency. And it definitely took me a while to quote unquote, earn the right to say the things that I say. Now it is like, oh, he can say that it's him. Um, but for a while, it was not that. Uh, and, and again, like, I don't know when that, where that line is, when that happens. It's just kind of like a- <laughs> fucking funny, dude. It's just like, trip, mute yourself, dog. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> Two Ps, really? Um, there you go. Um, yeah, that's it. I don't know. I don't really have any advice. It's kind of just like knowing your audience um, and when and where. And I'm just like, I'm going to say it. And like, I'm going to push away those who aren't with it and, you know, be magnetic towards those who are so you just can't win them all I think that's true in all sales though if you think about it right like and and humor like to not know where the line is is how you get better right, right. you keep pushing yourself and encouraging yourself and the same thing in sales we all have those moments of like oh shit should i ask that question here oh no they brought up the competition oh no they brought up budget well you got to ask that question right you it's time and as soon as they bring it up you can bring it up but i love the fact that you bring it forward first right i think what, what's an example, like, do people like me, like I'm a little starstruck, right? Do, do people, when you are selling to them and they're like, holy shit, that's corporate bro. And he actually has a real gig, you know, that's aside from comedy, like, does that help? Has that helped you? Well, for a while I was selling into HR. So I'll let you answer that. Um, uh, it has never, <laughs> uh, it has never, well, that's not true. It's helped me close one, one deal I can name where someone's like called it out and then bought from me. I had two others where they were like, dude, like low key, like love your shit. But like my CEO is kind of being a douche right now. So like, can't do it. Fine. Like, um, I, it doesn't really happen. I haven't sold into sales, um, until kind of, kind of now. And I'm not, I'm not an IC anymore. So I don't know if that will happen again. Cool. I've got a follow-up to that, but I know Allie's got a question for you. So Allie, if you want to unmute, go for it. Brian, you're not allowed to unmute at all the rest of this episode. So. Uh, cool. Thanks so much. Um, I saw today you posted something about bravado and this war room thing. So I was just curious. Like I thought bravado, I'm pretty sure I was a part of it already. So what the heck's going on there? And is bravado changing its business model with you or? Yeah. That's a good question. Um, I was brought on full-time there about four months ago. Um, oh. and they have, I just haven't talked about it or brought it up until today because I've wanted to get something Mark. replaced. Um, the short answer, like the honest truth is they basically brought me in and gave me the keys. That's what, yeah. that's what they did. They brought me in and were like, what can we do here? I was like, well, I'm going to build a battle plan around what I think salespeople want, what I think the issues are. And I presented it and they're like, great, you're taking this to our board. You're presenting it. And so like my title, my title there is head of community. Uh, it's not really a real title. I am basically specking out and building out everything I would like to see in the perfect sales community in my mind. Yeah. Um, and it's being built. Like the reason I kind of partnered with them is like, could I have done this on my own? Absolutely. But do I want to go raise $12 million? Like, no, I don't. Do I have like an engineering team? I don't. Designers, like I don't. The yeah. infrastructure is just there for me to do it. Like they already have the sales slant. So it's kind of just like, you know, for, for once they're just like, 
whatever you want, whatever you need. We have money. We have people do it. Like you get to do it. Uh, yeah. So obviously and I said you already yes have the following. So yeah. And it's, and it's like, uh, I think my following slants towards tech sales. Um, but like, right. there's a whole world of like car sales and medical sales, like out, like door to door sales, savages that could teach right. a lot of people, a lot of things. And it's just like sales has been very fractured. Like sales has never really been mobilized. Sales is the, you know, the, the job everyone shits on, like everyone cringes and bristles at this idea. And it's like, yo, like most of these companies wouldn't exist without a sales team. Most people wouldn't have jobs without a sales team. And so like the underlying piece of all this is like, I'm trying to elevate how people view sales that like, there is just more to it. And it's a lot hard. Like people cringe at it mostly because they know they're too much of a bitch to do it themselves because they couldn't do it. Like, that's the truth. And so, you know, people bristle at things that they don't like that they think they can't do. And so that's a big piece of it for me. And that's why I'm doing it. Cause again, like, is my passion to build a sales community? Fuck no. <laughs> is my passion to sell? Not exactly. But I like bringing people together. I like comedy. I want to make stuff. And like, this fulfills a lot of those things for me uh, all at once. So that's why mm -hmm. I, I said yes to that. So anyone in Bravado before gets in right away? How does that work? Sorry. They, yeah. So, it just so, like, looks like there was a ticker for a wait list or something. The reason the wait list is high is because we automatically put a lot of pre people, yep. people in there um, or we considered them. They have to go in and actually put themselves on the wait list, but they will, they're already triggered as a bravado person. It doesn't drop for another six weeks or so. So I'm letting a very small group of people who have worked with me. I call them the OG sales savages who are in a Slack group of mine, a very a subgroup of mine that like, have been with me since day one. I'm going to let them in. We're going to pressure, you know, kind of pressure test, see, see how things work and start letting people in in cohorts. Uh, because you only get, you, you, everyone knows you get one shot at a first impression and I want it to be sick. So, uh, it's still a little rudimentary, still a little early. Um, but I'm going to kind of let people in as we scale out the functionality and work through some of the bugs. So I would say, and I won't be letting everyone in. Like, you know, there's a lot of, I, I genuinely, I'm dead ass serious. Like I won't let marketing people in there. The reason you have to sign up with your LinkedIn is I'm going to look at your job title. And if you want to change it for a day and hope it's the day I look like, by all means, like, come on in. But for the most part, like I am really trying to, the same way I've done with the corporate bro brand is slowly build the culture and not just let, you know, everybody in at once and just hope to God it, it helps. It works itself out because it won't. So it'll be kind of early. Like how long have you been doing corporate bro? I started in 2014 when I was at Oracle. I started on Vine doing six second videos, um, sneaking away when managers were in their meetings or whatever it is that they do at Oracle. Um, six second videos aren't hard to film. And so videos started getting passed around the office. You know, Vine was cool back then. Vine is obviously now gone. So I, was started, I started to see it sunset, put my things on Instagram. I, I started taking corporate bro seriously when the calendar flipped from 2015 to 2016. I had two articles that were written about my account on Instagram at the end of 2015 that stayed up on these websites, really reputable, uh, total frat move and bro Bible. Um, back when people actually like, they were like barstool before barstool. Some of you youngins might not know that, but um, that was like where I catapulted from. I had like 10,000 on Vine, but I had like 500 on Instagram and that put me up at about 12,000. I was like, okay, people think this is funny who don't know me uh, because I've always been I've always been the weirdo of my friend group. It's like, oh, there goes, there goes Corp doing the weird shit he does. Ha ha ha. Uh, so then I was like, let's put in a creative process and actually like 
start putting out content every week. So nights and weekends, baby, grinding in the office, getting there at 7 a.m. to shoot some videos. We'd try to shoot a couple in a weekend just so we'd have content to stretch out. It's become a lot more difficult now that like the content itself is improving. It's just, you know, I edit it, uh, which takes a while, like writing, editing, shooting. Uh, I would say every one minute video takes in the neighborhood of 12 hours. Wow. From start to finish. With all the production work behind it. Yeah. And honestly, it's mostly, it's mostly writing that takes the longest, just trying to get it right. And a lot of stuff is improv, but like we want the shell there. And it's just kind of like, just say a bunch of shit. We'll see if it works. Right. Well, the show, well, the show is very different, right? Like how long does it take to produce that when you were doing, you know, when you were doing um, unsubscribe, right. Or your, well, that was infinitely longer. Like I had two editors, I had support from bravado. I had two editors, I had a creative director. Um, and then I had my partner, Ben helping me with that. So like our production cycle for each one of those was two weeks. So we'd write, craft the whole episode in one week, we'd shoot and edit for the second week. And meanwhile, during the shoot edit, we'd be writing the previous one. So there was like always a week of overlap between the one we were working on and the next one. And that was just too much. Like we just were like, this is absolutely unsustainable. Um, plus I don't think like, if I'm being honest, I don't think that format worked that well at least for what I hoped. So I'm going back to the, the drawing table is not, I'm not back at the drum. I'm at the writing table, writing a full eight episode show. Got it. Wow. And so there'll be a whole story arc or will they each be their own episode? They, they- all of that. Um, it will be a loose thread kind of sitcom. I would say kind of a 30 rock meets uh, always sunny meets the office, if you will, purely for the fact that it's in an office but it's going to be modern SaaS sales in a post COVID kind of environment. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. What, um, you know, your, what do your, do your parents still give you shit for all this? Are they still like, what are you doing? <laughs> no, no. Uh, they're, my mom has always been kind of a savage. Uh, so she was always, she was always about it as long as it like didn't hurt again, the career. That's, they just want me to be a contributing member to society. Um, my Where'd dad's just like, can off? you just do it without swearing? Yeah, you, know, you can do whatever. Where'd you Fuck go? no, dad. <laughs> Idiot. <laughs> I know he'd prefer that. Yeah. He's not listening, so I can say that. Where, where'd you grow up? Uh, Atlanta, Georgia. Ah, didn't know that. For making it, so there you go. You must miss good barbecue like me. I very much miss good barbecue. It's a big issue here in the Bay Area. Yeah, they think it's, they, they think it's a, a verb, not a noun, right? Like, you understand it. and it's very overpriced yeah totally Total mediocrity what uh so everybody seems to be asking but to do the dance of a song like do you have a song in a dance like is that just something you do or are you like ellen where you come out dancing on the show at all or um i do when i <laughs> um so this is actually a true story i just signed up for vocal lessons last night so i will be going down that track of singing you know i i, I spit hot fire from time to time like hobby of mine to just like drop bars um but i do like secretly and now not so secretly like i'm a theater nerd like i ran the theater production at uh during my mba uh program at stanford uh full two-hour kind of like original musical so i'm very much into that world Uh, even though i used to beat those kids up and stuff them in lockers um i think it's because i was in denial and just angry uh so short answer is can I sing? No, but hopefully I will. Um, can I dance? I mean, 
your boy moves a little bit, but uh, I wouldn't say I uh, am a professional by any means. I'm above that. So well, if you come on and, and let us know if you want to ask some questions, I, I got a ton more, but I certainly want to you know, give the audience a chance. You know, I know some of them might be intimidated by it, but you know, hopefully they'll, they'll come on board. Uh, I can tell you that. Uh, so, go ahead. So you have one brother, you have other, you have another sibling or. I do have a younger sister. Um, she is my brother and sister. Neither are in the sales world. Uh, they were academics, you know? Um, so sister is, does like impact investing. She's all about helping the world and trying to save the world. And uh, my brother is, God, this is hard to say. Oh God, he is in marketing, marketing, in marketing. So is he there? Is he there? Can you make a cameo or no? He might be, I don't know if he's out there. No, he's not here. He's definitely not here. If we live together, one of us would be dead and it wouldn't be me. So. Oh, that's awesome. So I know Amanda's got a question. So Amanda, you want to, I'll let you come off mute and uh, tell us, ask your question. Hey, Corp, describe your perfect date. (laughs) Oh, man. I don't know. I don't really, I don't do that. Um, uh, Perfect date. I don't know. I I don't really think about it. it. It's, it's not really about the, like, where, you know, it's about the who and the conversation. It doesn't really matter. Like that's, that's like it, it can be anything. It really can be anything if conversation is good and uh, quick banter, you know, banter is like, God, it's so important. Um, and, and picking up on like the quick kind of like quips and jokes that, that is when it's like good. Um, but I don't have like a here in this food and this, like, you know, I don't really have more, more than that. I'm sorry. Sorry. I have a follow-up, Corp. If, if you were dating someone that was perfect in every way, except for they didn't think you were funny, could you continue we wouldn't be that? doing that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we wouldn't be doing that. Because uh, they would be my primary audience, or at least for, you know, forced audience. And I think like if you spend enough time around me, like most people do, they kind of tune out like 30, 30, 40% of what I say. So they kind of like get the selective hearing and then they tap back in, but they also kind of keep me honest and force me to elevate. Um, so, I mean, deep down, they have to know, they have to know that your boy is like, I don't know, like a little comical from time to time, but no, they don't have to laugh at everything. It's most things. How do you, how do you choose which stuff to put on which platform, right? You got LinkedIn, you got Insta, you got, I don't know, are you doing clubhouse? A couple of people are asking about that. Yeah. I've been on clubhouse. I just think I I don't, I I don't get, I don't get it entirely. Like, I think it's going to be a real short-term fad if I'm being honest with you. Um, I have no, nothing to back that up except for a gut. Uh, as far as the content goes, like I've always tried to make one minute videos. And so wherever those go, wherever I can put them, I'll just put them there. The thing is like, I don't have the ability to like do a tick, for instance, the dancing thing. I'm like, okay, TikTok exists. I should probably get better at dancing. Um, I like, don't have time. I just don't have time for that. Like I can make one video a week and then I just put it on all the platforms. If it's two minutes long, like I'm messing around with IGTV, like, I've been kind of fighting an uphill battle on every platform since it started. Instagram started with 15 second videos um, and then went to one minute for a long time. Nobody watched video content on Instagram. So I was like, what, what the fuck am I doing? LinkedIn. I mean, we can go down the LinkedIn route all we want. I, they are not very mm, content friendly, especially for anything that isn't like an inspirational quote or a stupid math problem, brain teaser. And then you got YouTube, which is ranking like 
longer content. And if I'm doing short forms, like shorts now, like only now today have companies really been like, wait a second, like people actually want short form content. And so you have TikTok, but TikTok doesn't like produced videos. So they want, they want the selfie kind of like quick hitter, honestly, reminiscent of old Vine. So I don't do that well there. I have a TikTok, but it's like whenever I have a one minute video, I'll just put it on there and hope something happens, but I don't pay any attention to it. Um, so yeah, I, how do I decide? It's just like, it's purely, I put it everywhere I can. It's just whatever limitations the platform have. It's just like, I'm just kind of like, fuck it. Just throw it on there and see what happens. You, you brought up LinkedIn and all the challenges. What, what are the parts you hate about LinkedIn? I can give you a thousand, but I'm curious if you have the same ones. Um, oh my God. I mean, the way they like, the way they value content is absolutely, it, it's, it's atrocious. Um, and I, <laughs> their head of product actually came to one of my classes and I kind of went at him for that. And uh, his excuse was machine learning, which was just like, that's what exactly what I would expect zero accountability and all about the machine learning and the algorithm. Um, sorry, if any of you are from LinkedIn, um, I, there's just so much like the made up stories, the like lack of humor, the like circle jerk is just, it's just all angst circle jerk for days. And then you got like, then you got <laughs> people talking shit about sales and that's how you get me fired up. Um, I don't know. I, I just, it, it's not a content platform. Like they know it's just a resume platform. It's a place where we're going to go to find our prospects, which it will never be beaten for that. Um, but as far as the content piece, the interaction piece, the groups piece, like the net, the LinkedIn groups were, and I don't even know if they still are a thing were horrible. And I am bitter that they banned me from my LinkedIn group uh, several years ago. But that's, again, why I want to do the bravado piece is like build a community where content does matter and we can actually have the real conversations and there's an element of anonymity to it. So we can actually have real conversations instead of like people sending DMs being like, dude, I love what you're saying. I just can't interact with it because people will see. That's yep. great. So that, that's like a little bit of it. Yeah, I, I, I can appreciate that. There's, there's a lot of that going on. Um, where do you see, I guess the same, so communities have come up big this year, right? Like that's been the big thing out of uh, COVID, right? Are we over community at this point? How many communities can you be a part of aside from your own? Yeah, for sure. Uh, Natalie, to answer your question really quick, I saw in the chat, I do still have the Slack. And the reason I want to do Bravado is just the communities, they're so limited right now. So this like filters into this question. There's the rev collectives, the rev geniuses, the uh, sales uh, hacker. There's our sales on Reddit. Like there's a lot of, there's a lot of groups out there, but most of them are limited by A, they don't put enough resources into it or B, it's like, it's a Slack platform. I have wanted to do so many things on Slack, but like I cannot pay $7 a user when I have 3000 people in my Slack group. Like I'm not making, I can't, I can't afford that. I would love to do that. I was trying to figure out gamification. I was trying to figure out ways to like rank people and incentivize people and like promote engagement, but it just sits there. Like I don't have the bandwidth to do that myself all day, every day. So the short answer is like, what I want to build has a slightly different tone than a lot of the other groups. It's like, Hey, like, come on in, like everybody, like drum circle, like let's dance around and kumbaya. And that's just not how it is. Um, so the tone I'm trying to take is a little bit more honest we'll say. Um, like I know sales has a lot of problems and I do want to talk about those things and address those things, but I've always felt that every group is limited. 
fundamentally just limited by resources. And it's like, if I can build it, if I have an engineering team and we want to build like a matching program for like mentorship or something, SDR is getting connected with VPs, like who are in the same industry, selling the same types of products. Like, why don't we have that? Like, why isn't that built? Like, why can't we vet real good, like good sales jobs? Every recruiter just blows you up on LinkedIn. Like it's the next greatest job ever. But like, if someone could actually vet those jobs and put them in, put them in front of people who are good and make that match, like there's a lot of money in that too. Um, I just, yeah, I think that's the short answer is like the same thing with sales trainers, sales thing with marketing gurus or Instagram influencers or whatever you want to call it. Like a lot of people are saying the same shit. It's just which one, which message do you resonate with? Like what's you? So like mine's not going to be for everyone and I'm totally okay with that. I just want the people who are interested in this and do like this tone. So there are a lot of groups. This one will be a lot different just by virtue of resources. Um, and I think the tone will be different than what you already see out there. Awesome. All right. We're, we have a big fan, Isaac Bowen. I'm going to take him off mute. He has a question for you about disrupting subject lines. Let me see if I can get him. Oh, yeah. 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 What's up, man? So my question, I'm, I'm a big fan of just reckless pattern disrupting subject lines. Like I get pretty weird with it sometimes and they actually tend to work. Did you ever try um, your mom asking to reach out? What's that? Have you ever tried your mom asking to reach out? No, that'll get an open. What you might've used in the past or, uh, you know, if, if you have any good recommendations for those kind of wild subjects, man, I honestly, like, I don't like if, if there was a silver bullet and I knew it, like I wouldn't be here right now. I'd be a billionaire and laughing at all of you. Um, <laughs> uh, no, I, I think it's just, it's a matter of, and you already know this, like, it's just the AB tests, like just experiment. Like we have the tools out there now to find out the answer to that. And it's just a matter of actually making a rigorous test, a scientific test, if you will, if it's like the 50 today, 50 tomorrow, whatever it is, change the time, make one small change. I, the closest thing I've got to a silver bullet is, is my breakup email, uh, which the subject is literally not the right time. You've heard that from a lot of people, a lot of sales trainers. I don't certainly didn't make that up. Sure. Um, but the, the pieces of the body of the email are hitting on several different like psychological components of the human mind that provoke people to respond. And I was a psych major. I love to study psychology and persuasion. It's super interesting to me. Um, so there's something called the Ben Franklin effect, which is when you ask for a favor, people are more likely to view you in a positive light. Mm -hmm. And that seems counterintuitive. Hey, can you grab me a glass of water? People like will do it and you don't know them that well. They actually feel better about you having served you that glass of water. Hmm. And that's really weird and counterintuitive. So one of the things I say in that email is like, I'd consider it a personal favor if you let me know, you know, let me know so I can stop filling off your filling up your inbox, which I'm sure you can appreciate. I'd consider it a personal favor. That sounds cringy as shit. It feels weird. It's like that's, that doesn't, that's not what humans say, but I am telling you that shit works like crazy. It's and I've got okay. thousands of people that can attest to it. Is it perfect? No. Will it get you a deal? No, but it will more than likely get you a response. I'll take that. I'll take so that. that's only if you've already been in a discussion and someone's gone dark on you. I don't have a great, like, not even like anything I would put on par with that for, for an opener, unfortunately. Sure, sure. Well, I was just I, curious. I would I Richard it. for that. What the was that? Experts. I oh, defer okay. to Richard for that. The the you know, the true sales experts. Yeah. Just... <laughs> just, yeah. Well, thank you. Of course. All right, we have another one from Jeff Burns. I don't know what it is, so we're just gonna see what oh, he has to say. Boy, 
Yeah. So, Corp, your interview with the Barstool CEO like a month or so ago, mm-hmm. I think that hit home with a lot of us out there who have been blasted publicly by CEOs or VPs out there in the world. Um, have you considered taking more of those on and doing interviews or reaching out to people in public uh, and then creating more podcasts on that? Uh, the answer is yes. There's been two the two big ones that like kind of went public. One was with a CISO, a chief information security officer who was like popping off about salespeople and so forth. And they're like a very good hot tech company that has a sales team, like a very good sales team that does all the things he was blasting. Um, and I ended up having a conversation offline with that person that was super productive. And like, I, it's hard because I don't want to blow up. So I, I, let me fast forward to the end of that story. A few, a month and a half later or so, that guy got fired. And it is not a stretch to think that it's because I put him on blast. I would argue it's not that. They probably had reasons to do it. There's like other stuff going on, um, pandemic, whatever. But it, it did make me think and question like, well, shit, if I have this power to potentially make a company look really bad or a single person look really bad, aside from Barstool, who is just the champions of doing that. So I had absolutely no issue going to the throat for that. Um, but in general, the other ones you're talking about, I'm like, I could one off them or I can just continue to try and build like mobilized salespeople from our side so that they start to see that there is a wave of people that like that, that the shit they're saying just isn't true. Um, so the short answer is yes, I've thought about it. I just don't have the bandwidth to like do a podcast or like something more about it. The barstool thing was kind of a one-off. They're just a bunch of fucking assholes. Um, and like, they just needed a little dose of their own, of their own medicine. So, you know, I know people on the barstool sales team. I just didn't want to out them. So I know plenty about barstool sales and um, you know, the, like you want to watch something that's a classic example of not doing your research, go watch that interview and go watch her try to talk to me about literally anything. So that's awesome. That's poor that's look. It's just a bad look. I'll, I'll, I'll back you up and tell you that that, you may have been a nail in the coffin, but that guy had a problem all along. That attitude, I guarantee you, has been with him forever. It's kind of like when someone yeah. would call someone out on LinkedIn for, for being racist, right? It's like, dude, don't be, be like, don't, don't be, be a piece of shit. Right. So, and then they get fired for that. And it's like, well, wait a minute, just because I told your CEO about it doesn't mean it's my fault. Like, you're, you're the one with the shitty attitude. Yeah, that's true. And I did get messages that like that had been a theme. Like, this wasn't the first time. So, like, do I, I it wasn't that I felt bad. It was that I just like had a moment of recognition of like, there's power in the things that I can say on these platforms. And I don't want to throw it around. I don't want to take on every little thing for every little thing someone says. Um, even though in my heart, sometimes I want to. It's the hard part. That's totally I do true. on my, on Instagram. If you come at me on Instagram, put you in a body bag. I will. No, not actually. I might. We got a few more minutes. I want to give people one last chance to answer a question. Um, and I, have, I actually have one, another good question for you, um, but I want to give a shout out to Salesforce, Lead 411 Gong, and um, Bidyard for sponsoring this. And, and I'd like to shout out Gong too for not being able to afford me for SKO. Raise right. $200, billion or $200 million, you can't afford me for SKO. Big shout out to you guys. Yeah, I won't say that I've had the same conversation, but very similar. Salesforce so. too for not bringing me to Dreamforce. I've yeah. spoken to 20 of your teams. I'm, anyway. I'm actually working on that one for you behind the scenes. We can talk offline. Shout out to the sponsors. So, uh, 
<laughs> we want him, but we won't do it. We won't take the accountability for it, but we'll let him go on something else who can take the accountability for it anyway. So you talk about calling bullshit. Anyway, I hear you. Honor to be here. I do love Salesforce. I'm just bitter I got turned down in 2013. All right. Uh, there's, there's, a, there's a good friend who, I don't know if he's on this at this part, but I can, I can help you there. What, um, what, what can this community do for you? You give so much back to all of us. Um, you lighten our day, you brighten our day. Um, you've dropped a ridiculous amount of knowledge and, you know, so not surprisingly, but, you know, legit smart sales knowledge that I think was, we're also refreshing to hear from you. Right. But what can we do to support you? Right. You know, yeah, we can like your shit and comment, you know, what else can we do? Yeah. I mean, you know, that's it for now. Like one thing I really do pride myself on is like when I make big announcements or I, or I ask for things, like I'm just so particular about it like very intentionally like I, people ask me to like sponsor their shit all the time they ask me to put stuff out like all the time and I just I fundamentally what I enjoy doing is making content that other people enjoy that like lives forever and so I, right now there's nothing like I don't know if you're interested in the war room sign up um tell people about it that would be cool you know like I said I'm going to be trying to launch this show or I'm trying to shoot this show in March April um I'm sure I'm going to reach out to people and be like, try to crowdsource some funding for it. Cause when I shot the pilot, it was $50,000 for one episode. I eight episodes, you know, times 50, it's not going to be 50. It'll be somewhere in that neighborhood. A um, little less, hopefully, but like those would be asks. I just like, it all goes to content at the end of the day. So I don't have an ask right now. Just like, I do appreciate people following. I do appreciate people, 137 people here listening to my dumbass talk. Like, like what more, I don't know, have much more to ask than that. Um, like the support is really important to me. And like, that's why I do it. And I get messages like, yo, that video was great. Or like, this is my life. And like, yeah, dude, I know this is my life. Like I get it. That's like what we are in this together. Like we literally are somewhere, somewhere else. Someone is making a cold call right now and getting rejected and torn apart in some other country, somewhere else. Sales transcends culture. It transcends like geography. Like it's the oldest profession on earth. And like, we're all a part of it. So that's like, I don't know. That's, that's cool to me. So I don't really have an ask right now. Other than if you want to sign up for the war room, that'd be cool. If you don't, that's do also you cool. Newsletter? Like, do you have a newsletter at all? Do you... No, I can't. I, I don't. I, I work like 80 hour weeks. Uh, I work seven days a week. And if I could build more content, like that's something I want to do. I would love to take on Barstool from like a corporate comedy pop culture um, side of things. But I'm, I'm like talking to people about how do you model that? Like those businesses are super complicated. Um, and how do you bring on other creators? Like I would love to bring other creators on. Like I'm not the only one doing this. There's other great people out there doing this stuff too. And if we could like band together and just make something bigger, I would love to do that. Um, that's it. That's really it. Cool. Cool. Anybody else got one more question before we wrap it up? I do. <laughs> I know Matt Kalish does. Hang on one second. I'm going to take him. The voice has come out of God. Yeah, exactly. It was Lou. <laughs> It's me. Oh. Oh, if I had to say he was going to be backlit, I would have said yes. I have a question, man. What, first off, are you, do you say your real name or do you not tell people your real name? No, I do. I'm Ross Pomerantz. You can look me up on LinkedIn. I've kind of crossed them over. I, I, going back to the question about my parents being proud, I was like, I'm just going to burn my shit to the ground uh, and just come out with who I am and kind of combine the two. Like, I don't, super, super long term, I don't want to be like, Corporate bro, I'd like to be the guy who played corporate bro among many other things. Um, but most people call me corp now anyway, like even my family. Um, so I'm totally fine with that too, but I, I don't hide my name anymore. Okay, Ross, last thing. 
roast me, bro. Oh, dude, in front of all these people, I I was just like, when the, when the backlight came on, I was like, first of all, this dude sounds like the Unabomber. And then he looks like him too. And I was like, damn, where did that come from? And then I was like, I guess I'm not surprised. Um, but that's, that's all I got for you now. And if that crossed the line, I'm sorry to some people. That's just kind of how I roll. So that's appreciate you. So. All right, let's let Matt answer his question or ask his question and then we'll be good. You should be off mute, Matt. All right, beautiful. Can you guys hear me? Yeah. Right on. Hey, man, uh, what you do is, is really counterintuitive. I mean, it goes against the grain in every possible way. That said, what do people get wrong about why you do this? I mean, what, what is your why? Yeah, I think a lot of people, a lot of people think that I'm rich and famous and like, that's just so far from the truth. Like that, that's why I did it. It's like, oh, I want like, dude became a LinkedIn influencer, which makes me cringe or an Instagram influencer. And that makes me cringe. Like the whole reason this ever started is like sales was hard. And I like making shit. And so I started kind of just documenting it um, with zero intent of it blowing up. And I think a lot of people feel like, you know, I do things for the clout or I do it for like, like there, I am thinking about how do I grow? And like, obviously going to Barstool, like it's a combination of a lot of things, but fundamentally that came out of the fact that I was pissed off. They made fun of salespeople and they came at salespeople. So I think it's that my motivation is literally that I found something I enjoy doing every single day. And it's not because I'm going to get rich and famous or because I am rich and famous. That's it. Like, that's it. I like making stuff. And it's literally could not be more simple than that. Like I found my passion and a lot of people don't end up putting in white. There was an article that came out. I can't remember if it was Harvard, Stanford, probably Stanford because it was a smart article. Um, but it was about passion. Isn't just like, you don't just get to decide, like I have a passion about this. Like passion is developed. And so the grind, like I wake up, going to the office at 7 a.m. like is not an easy thing to do. People are like, oh, dude, I want to be in your videos. Like, can I be in a video? I'm like, yeah, sure. 7 a.m. This office here, San Francisco. Oh, shit. You know, I'm actually got a friend's birthday. Uh, so it's going to be like rager. Like I can't be there. Like there's so much sacrifice that it takes to do this stuff that a lot of people think I have the time to like give and give and give. And people ask me for things and ask for this and that. And it's like, the truth is I want to say yes to every single fucking thing people ask me for. Hey man, could you send my, my, my manager a video? Hey, can you send a note to this person? Can you do this, 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 this? Like, like my time is worth something, especially to myself. Um, and I don't want to let you down. So like, it puts me in a really awkward position to be like, no, I can't. I can't. As when I say no, it's I genuinely can't. Fuck off, man. Like you forgot where you came from. Like, no, I didn't. No, I didn't. I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to make it happen. Um, and I can't, and that's the thing is like, you just can't make it happen for everyone. So I think that's one of the things a lot of people forget is like, I dress like this. I sit in this fucking chair for 85 hours a week doing work. And yeah, it doesn't look like I like leave much. I don't leave much. So that's, that's a big one for me. That's like really hard to negotiate. And I often am like, I should just close my DMS. I should just close my LinkedIn like messages. I should just like kind of cut myself off a little bit or put some other buffer in between. Cause when you email me, you get me, you don't get a manager, you don't get an agent, you get me. Um, so that's the thing. It's just, it's just a shitload of time, but I love it. Like I wouldn't change it. And that's not, don't pity me. That's not why I'm saying that. It's just, there's just a lot more that goes on behind the scenes than people realize. I can, I can attest to that as, as you know, I hired Corp to, to do a cameo and he was kind enough to do it for me. Um, and then when I emailed him this, like, I was like, all right, I got to get through to this guy. So I talked to Scott and he's like, yeah. And it, within a day you responded and it was you like it wasn't some system it wasn't some bullshit and um 
you know, he is, I, I, you know, I can only sing your praises that you do practice what you preach and you, you do walk the walk and talk the talks. And we, we appreciate it on the humor side, but we also know the humanity side too. And that's super important. So particularly these days. Appreciate it. So thank you, Ross. Thank you, corporate. Thanks to your parents for spawning you. Um, <laughs> Spawn please, is the right word. <laughs> and uh, thanks everybody for, for registering for this and attending it. And yes, we've got it recorded for folks. So uh, we'll be getting that out in hopefully the next couple hours. So thanks everybody. Thank you, everyone. Sales are dope. Never ever stop motherfucking selling.